Over my professional career, I can point to many instances where habits, systems, and routines have helped me and the organization I was a part of meet goals and be successful. After recently reading Atomic Habits by James Clear, I wanted to learn more from high performers in other industries on how they make tiny changes to achieve remarkable results. Welcome to the Behaviorist Podcast with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communications, and culture. I'm your host, Jamie Arroyo. Our intention for the Behaviorist Podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. We're grateful to have Doug Crane of Atomic Design and Emma Parnum with Atley Hall. Doug and Emma, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Great, thanks. Great, thank you for joining me. I would love to start off with brief introductions of both of you so the audience can get to know each and one of you. Uh, Doug, would you like to start? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Doug Crane with Atomic Design. Uh, we're based out of Rock Lidditz, and uh, we are um, a, a company that uh, is in the live entertainment uh, industry, as a lot of folks in Rock Lidditz are, if you're not familiar. Um, we have 120-some folks uh, worldwide. Uh, a lot of our work is done here in the U.S., and I uh, manage a team of account managers for the uh, uh, scenery business unit. So uh, you see something on stage at the Emmys or the Grammys, that's uh, the stuff we build. And uh, we work uh, a lot of weekends, a lot of long hours, and it's uh, always challenging and uh, a lot of fun, great opportunities. Nice, nice. Whole team of high performers with you, right? Indeed, yeah. indeed. Great. Emma? Hi, Emma Parnum. Um, I'm the COO for Atley Hall, a law firm in Lancaster. Um, I'm from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, I'm a former international field hockey player for Scotland and Great Britain, a Scottish qualified lawyer, and have been living in the US for the past six years. Um, in my role at Atley Hall, um, I look after the business of the firm so that the rest of the team can focus on helping clients with their cases. Uh, we're devoted to helping people who have been harmed through the negligence of others uh, seek justice and in doing so create a safer community for all of us. Great. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm lucky to have two high performers with me today to talk about habits. Um, over the course of my career, I've studied habits and specifically how to uh, use habits to become a high performer personally. Um, but a lot of this stuff crosses over to industry as well and how to help my organization become better. Um, and I'm curious, uh, how do you guys define high performing habits? Emma? My definition of high-performing habits is a little bit of an adaptation from Brendan Burchard's de definition from his own book, High-Performing Habits, um, and applying some of my own experiences. So for me, high-performing habits is continuously and consistently succeeding beyond expectations over the long term. That probably is contextual. Mm. It can relate to children in school consistently outperforming other students, it could mean high school sports teams consistently outperforming other teams in their league. Um, it could mean businesses continuing to meet and exceed their goals, um, whatever their, um, their measures of success are. Um, or Olympic athletes who are consistently and continuously outperforming their competitors. Nice. And it's interesting that you have that athletic background as well, because I'm sure a lot of habits that you had to develop as an athlete kind of carry over, carried over into the workplace, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Would you like me to expand on sure. that just now? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
There are many characteristics that I think probably are formed during that period of um, competing. Um, and I would say that as an athlete, you start to develop this ability to constantly self-reflect, um, constructively critique and review every action. Um, you're constantly refining your plans and your goals and all of it is with an aim to improving and developing. Um, and I think those are some of the key characteristics that you carry forward into your professional life as well. So we often, or particularly I look at, um, what is the goal? What happened? What are the options that we're looking for? Um, and where can we improve to get where we need to go? Great, thank you. And Doug, how would you define high-performing habits? That's a tough act to follow. Um, <laughs> No, I, I agree with uh, a lot of um, what Emma said. I was thinking about this today. Um, I am not a uh, world-class athlete like Emma was, but I was on the golf course today, and uh, I was thinking a lot about today's conversation and um, the difference between um, how I approach golf and how professionals approach golf and why there's such a large chasm in between uh, the weekend golfer and the guys who do this for a living, and it comes down to their habits. It's that simple. Um, I know when I uh, have time and I can get out and go to the range, for instance, and work and practice and, and develop good habits, um, I play better. It's that simple. Um, and so it kind of is a little microcosm of you know, the approach to a lot of things. It's, it's the practice, and I, I go back to, again, a sports metaphor, but even my earliest days playing basketball, I remember one of the things that stuck with me in junior high, my coach saying, um, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Uh, and that stuck with me for a long time. So if you're practicing but not in the right way, you need to seek you know, some guidance along the way and, and, and find out what's going to get you to the next level and then how do you sustain that. So to me, that's the difference. Between, that's high performing is how do you sustain that over the long term hmm. and how is it strategic and not just tactical in the moment. Definitely. One of the key words that you said, uh, said was practice. So in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, he talks a little bit about practice and how it's required to achieve mastery. Um, but one of the key things he mentions is intentional practice. Um, are there ways that you think um, you can intentionally practice, whether it's golf or even in the workplace? For sure. Um, getting off the sports metaphors mm -hmm. for a moment. Um, I've been in sales most of my uh, adult professional career, and one of the things I learned early on was um, the the power in having to remind myself to, uh, as people are speaking, to continually look them in the eye and, mm -hmm. and, and focus on what they're saying and, and keep that eye contact. Um, it's a powerful tool, but it's not very comfortable for a lot of people. They don't always want to make eye contact. Um, but if you, you start to remind yourself and it becomes a habit, you find that you um, have more influence and, and more buy-in to that conversation as well. People are more likely to talk directly to you. You're more likely to engage with them. Um, and so that took practice for me. Um, it wasn't natural. Um, but over the years, it's become part of, uh, it's, it's a habit for me now. Um, and I find it pays a lot of dividends um, when you're in a room with a lot of people and it's deadlines and time frames and all the things you're up against. Um, there's a couple different ways to command a room, um, but one of them is to have that buy-in with the person who's speaking and then be able to clearly articulate because they know you're listening, they know you're invested, and it just gives that kind of 
uh, honesty back and forth that you're there to listen, you're there to hear them, and now you can speak clearly back to them. So it's one way to do it, Great. for sure. Emma, as an athlete, um, uh, you had to develop certain habits um, to kind of get you to be a successful one, I would imagine. Um, are there any particular habits that you developed personally that kind of crossed over and helped you professionally? There are certainly a few that um, come to front of mind. Um, for me, I was very much pursuing a dream or a goal and so when you're completely invested and engaged in what you're doing and, and, and why you're doing it, you will do it at any cost and you're willing to pay the price. Um, people talk about sacrifices, some people see it as a choice. So for me, in order to be able to um, run around a hockey field, um, to be able to go to the gym and, and train, um, I knew that while I was studying, I needed to be almost... Um, further ahead in my planning and organisation to free up the time to allow me to do my training. So I think I developed really good skills in forward planning um, and then being able to complete tasks quite far in advance to be able to do what I wanted to do now and in the present. So that led, um, or that has led really well into my professional career in terms of forward planning and thinking about um, the end and how I want to achieve the goal and what steps I need to take to get there um, and trying just to stay one step ahead. Great, great. Now, when it comes to habits, I think we all tend to think of habits as it's an individual thing, um, but organizations have habits, right? They can be good or they can be bad, and a lot of those habits start to define the actual culture of the organization. Uh, Doug, how would you? what are some habits that you think define Atomic Design's culture? Yeah, there's a few. Um, our niche in the industry is for, um, I would say, looking around corners and making sure we have contingency and, and thinking ahead for our clients. And uh, we have a reputation when, when we show up on site for a show, people are just really, thank goodness you're here. Uh, you've thought of all the things we haven't. Um, and that's developed over time, but it's become you know, a staple of, of Atomic. Um, that comes all the way back to that first interaction with our client. Um, uh, there's no written rule that says if a client calls or emails you, you must get back to them immediately. But we all do it. Um, it's just good practice. It's good habit. It's, it's a good way to let people know. Even if the answer is, I'm getting on a plane, can I call you in four hours, or I can't get in touch with you tonight, just some kind of interaction to get back to the client right away to let them know that you know, they're important. Um, and so that's one of the habits that all the way through the organization, no matter what level of em employee, what they do at Atomic, they're all really good at responding right away um, and getting back to whatever the, the question may be or whatever the task may be. Um, and, and that's really important in today's world. I mean, customer service is practically dead in a lot of sectors. Yeah. Uh, we give one-on-one -on -one personal attention and, and part of that starts with just always getting back to the client quickly. And it kind of goes back to the intentional practice you mentioned. So that intentional eye contact and uh, being in a good conversation with someone and listening is enhanced authentic communication, right? So um, replying to an email in a timely manner is enhancing that com or that communication with that client. So for it seems sure. like those habits kind of kind of align there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And and one other thing I would say as a, as a company, we're curious. We're mm. constantly curious. Um, we do so many unique one-off 
custom things uh, that generally haven't existed before. Um, people come to us with their craziest ideas on a cocktail napkin sketch or some something they just thought up and they want to do it and they have a timeline and a schedule and a budget. How can you help me get there? And um, you can either look at it and say, there's no way. Or you can say, this looks amazing. Tell me more. Tell me a story. Paint me a picture. How do you want to make this happen? And, and be curious. And I think that's part of the, the great thing about Atomic. We have so many curious, genuinely curious individuals, just not about work, but in general. Um, and that just transfers all the way through the organization that we're able to just bring that curiosity to the table every single time and, and make it fun. So how do you sustain for a long period of time that level of curiosity? Because with Atomic Design, you mentioned that you're constantly doing new things. So you could almost argue, well, it's hard to set up a routine and systems because we're always doing something different. Um, but curiosity was a big part of that. How do you sustain that for a long time? I think um, one of the keys to our success, especially over the last uh, few years, is really um, deciding that we needed to put um, really good process in place. So without process and having that backbone structure to allow people to operate, you know, once things are in-house, um, it could be the Wild West. Um, and it was for a lot of years at Atomic. They said yes to everything because they needed to grow and they've grown exponentially in the 25 years they've been in business. But over the last four to five, sustainability has been a big part of our um, uh, cultural corporate mission. Um, so to be sustainable, you have to have good process in place. So you need a moment to step back and put in that process so that people then know that they can operate uh, with an SOP um, and still then go out and continue to be curious knowing that they have a system in place that can handle all the input as it comes in. And so we've worked really hard, especially over the last two years, uh, to put a lot of systems in place to allow that. And it's, it almost seems at odds that you'd have, that you need all this process and this really creative atmosphere, but you, you do. You need discipline um, because we are working on tight, tight deadlines with budgets and all those things. So you need that balance of both. And um, I think that's what helps sustain it um, because, there's, like I said, there's always crazy fun things coming in the door. We can't say yes to everything. So how do we say yes to the things that really get everybody energized, are good for the company, are great for the client? and you know work well for our, our future portfolio and everything else so it's it's really about that that really good balance as i said of putting process in place that helps allow the freedom uh to remain curious doug makes some really great points there about how habits shape a role in organizational culture and um, i would absolutely agree with some of the points you made there around um, especially client service um, at Ali Hall, we're continually looking at ways in which we can better help our clients and better support our community. Um, we are often involved in cases where people have suffered traumatic events and we are helping them through that journey to find closure and a resolution um, and justice. Um, so we're always looking at a critical eye at our processes and how we can continually improve. How can we more expeditiously move cases through our, our process? How can we do that better so we um, can help the client get to that, that end point and that um, successful outcome quicker? And, and I would also agree, yeah, it comes back to process, it comes back to communicating as a team and sustaining that over the long term um, is continuously encouraging each other to have those conversations about 
what happened here? How can we do this better? And equally, what worked well? Why why did this um, move so well? Why was this case a success? What do we need to be doing again to reproduce those sorts of outcomes? Um, and sharing in each other's successes as well when we get those outcomes. Great, great. You both mentioned something um, in regards to discipline, processes that need to be in place. Um, but a lot of times, motivation, willpower is needed to sustain that level of discipline and keep those processes in check. Um, what are some ways that you continue to encourage your team to be motivated, to continue to um, make sure that their willpower is sustained over the time period? Yeah, we, we talk a lot um, about empowerment and accountability. Um, and setting people up for success, obviously, um, but giving them the space to do that um, and knowing that a mistake is something to learn from. We're going to make mistakes. It's not a question of if, it's when you're going to make the mistake. How do we embrace that? How do we grow from it? Um, and again, uh, the crazy timelines and deadlines we're up against, you know, there are decisions that need to be made um, in the moment, and we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to at least the, the, the knowledge to make a good decision. If it's wrong, or maybe not wrong is too strong a word, but if it's maybe not the right decision, um, we can we, we keep going and we can come back, as uh, Emma said, and, and kind of see what worked, what didn't work, and keep moving forward. But um, empowering uh, all our employees um, to have a voice in the process is, is really important to us at Atomic, and, and one we don't take lightly. Um, we've got so many dedicated professionals um, I, I've never worked with a more passionate group of people in my life. Um, it, no matter, again, what level they work at Atomic, they just all bring this passion to constantly want to do the best thing. Um, so giving them, empowering them uh, to do what they want to do it, with that passion in mind, but also, again, going back to process and making sure they have a clear path to do that is really important uh, in, in, as part of that, for sure. And uh, again, I would agree with everything what Doug said. Um, I mean, there are times when motivations are are lower than others. That's just kind of part of life. Um, for me, I think discipline and routine quite often trumps motivation when motivation is low. Um, and I would again agree with Doug that a lot of it comes back to process and routine. Um, and a lot of it is also about vision and mission. If you know your why, um, and your sense of purpose, then you can remind yourself in those days when sometimes it, it can be a grind or you are just, you know, working through the natural process or the journey, um, reminding yourself why we do what we do, um, I think can help with that uh, motivation on those more difficult days. Yeah, yeah, and James Clear mentions that in the book Atomic Habits about how understanding your why and your purpose to doing something is super important, um, as well as what your identity, how you identify yourself. Um, so folks that are coming to work in a way that ha is more purpose-driven, that they kind of feel that they're going there to solve a problem or create something, which I know at Atomic Design, everyone there sees themselves as creatives and they're building something. Um, so that helps a lot in sustaining these routines over a long period 
period of time. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, another key thing when it comes to sustaining routines, habits, these systems is really the environment that's created. And the environment can be anything from the physical layout of the office all the way to who, who is on the team, uh, who's your accountability buddy, <laughs> you know, uh, who's the person that's going to hold you accountable to these things. So how are environments set up in both of your workplaces and organizations to make sure that habits are sustained? We probably have a couple of different structures within our organization. Um, we have an investigation team and a litigation team that looks at the cases that are coming in, into the firm and how they should be progressed. And then we have the litigation team that takes that case forward um, when we decide that there is um, a case to progress. And then within those teams, there are teams. Um, so we are very much structured um, in that respect and within those teams there are meetings, weekly meetings, there are probably daily meetings um, and those teams themselves have their own processes, their checklists um, that they follow to make sure that um, they are um, delivering our best service to support our client. Culturally, we also talk about Atley Hall having a family feel. Uh, we take as much interest in each other as we do in our clients and our community. We are interested in each other um, and what we are doing outside of work. We share in each other's successes. Um, and we also just try and, we keep our doors open, we try and have casual conversations, and then culturally we also get together and have firm activities. Um, and, and happy hours and really just try and promote that sense of um, family, caring and community. Great. How about at Atomic Design? Yeah, Atomic, uh, our culture is, um, is amazing. Um, people just, they walk in the door first time and they just, every time they're like, wow, there's such a great vibe here, you know. Um, we're a family-owned company. Tom McPhillips, founder, started the business 25 years ago. His, he's now uh, joined by his son and daughter uh, as co-owners of the business. Um, and they are just as accessible um, for any question at any time to anybody in, in the business. Um, and uh, we, got, we have to keep it fun. We work such crazy, demanding hours um, that if, if you're not having fun doing what we do, um, probably in the wrong business because um, the pressure is intense and sometimes just almost seems like too much. So you got to keep it light, you got to keep it fun. And at the end of the day, we all have, I mean, let's face it, we, we do some really badass stuff for a living. It's really cool to look on screen and point to a thing when you're sitting with your family at Thanksgiving and say, hey, see that? We did that, you know? Um, so there's a payoff. There's a little bit of reward, a little ego stroke at the end of the day. Um, but we, you still have to do the grunt work to get there. And um, uh, we try and just, just be just mindful that we're all human beings and work-life balance is so important um, because it's never a true balance, you know? <laughs> it's never a true balance. We say the word balance, but what we mean is just some semblance of trying to get back to normal when you can. Mm -hmm. um, but again, the passion just kind of overrides everything we do and, and we just put a lot of time and energy into it. And so environmentally, uh, we try and just constantly uh, do what we can. You know, we have fun club. We have all these things set up uh, for employee engagement. But I think generally the people just like each other. Um, 
not everybody everywhere all the time. Um, but there's just a real sense of camaraderie and everybody's got each other's back and, and um, it's just, it, it's a really unique place to work. Yeah, sounds like a great place to work. Yeah, it is. <laughs> awesome. Great. So what are some high-performing habits that you both have witnessed within your teams, um, either top teams or just some top performers on your teams that, that kind of displayed some of these habits? This carries on nicely from some of the points that Doug just made there. Um, work ethic. You can't avoid having to work hard if you want to get better. Um, and part of that is learning to love the process or, you know, Doug used the word grunt. Um, there, there's no getting away from that. Um, and you have to just learn to find, um, yeah, love love the process and find um, pride in, in, in that process. So work ethic for me would be, um, would be right up there. Um, taking pride in your work, doing it with accuracy, um, and quality and not cutting corners. Um, integrity, I would say, we do what we say we're going to do, we finish what we start, and we take accountability for our performances and our role in that process. Um, and again, picking up on what Doug said, um, a positive attitude. Um, we work in difficult circumstances, as I said, with some people who have suffered traumatic or catastrophic events, um, and we have to go about what we're doing with a sense of of optimism um, and belief in what we're doing. Yeah, and one of the cool things that you're saying is, you know, whether it's integrity, whether it's accountability, whether it's coming to work with a positive attitude, those are habits that have to be practiced over and over again. So sometimes it's not as simple as, you know, a good habit is waking up early every morning. It's actually, no, do you show up with a smile every day? And are you practicing that over and over to create the culture that you want in your workplace? So I think those are those are great things. Okay. Um, I think something that we've worked really hard on as a company, as leadership, uh, especially is um, um, clarity um, and transparency um, down to, again, from leadership all the way down, um, just letting everybody know what we're doing as a company strategically, not just tactically day to day and reading them in to the bigger picture. Um, letting them know there's a sense, there's a greater sense of purpose than just what you're doing day to day. Uh, we have five business units at Atomic. We're an interdependent business model. We can't function without all five business units doing what they need to do at a high level. Um, there's different measuring sticks for each business unit, um, but letting the employees know what they are and how they fit into this interdependent model that one cannot exist or thrive without the other um, is very empowering. And so um, one of the ways, um, I, and I, I give credit to our leadership, our, our management and ownership team um, for, for making that initiative two years ago, they, they decided transparency um, is what leads to uh, sustainability and stability. You can't say we're going to be sustainable if you don't have the buy-in. Um, you know, it's the old saying, you're not a leader if nobody's following you. And so. You can't get people to follow you unless there's context to what they're doing and why. And everybody values the professional attitude that people come to work with every day. And so the owner, owners of our company, and, and it's trickled on down to our leadership team, um, we want to be clear, we want to be intentional, and we want to make sure we're transparent in, in everything we, we can possibly be. You know, we're not opening up the books on a daily basis, but you know, we're letting them know where we are financially across every business unit so that they can see what the motivation is for some decisions that we make. And um, that's, uh, 
it's not a habit yet. We're trying to make it a habit to make it a part of our daily vocabulary and, and our, our weekly, quarterly, and yearly vocabulary um, to, to be clear, to be intentional, and help us be sustainable. That's great. Awesome. So before we wrap up, I want to ask each of you one final question. Uh, Doug, we'll start with you. Um, so <laughs> thank you both of us for joining us today. Uh, but before we wrap up, can you tell us one piece of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Shut up and listen, man. <laughs> um, yeah, be more curious. Uh, you know, just listen more and, and be more curious. And when you're 18, you know, I have two adult children now, 23 and 21. And having gone through the dark years of teenagers into the budding uh, young adult stage now, um, that change is so, it, it's so dramatic when where they were at 18, 19, even 20. And now that they're getting older, um, that ability to actually stop and listen and to comprehend and not just want to say the next thing on your mind. And, and that's one thing if I could change about me when I was 18 for sure. You know it all at 18. <laughs> You don't want to be told anything. You don't need to listen to anything. Um, if you if you just did, the amount of people that want to help you when you're at that age is it's mind blowing. The people who just have good advice and good things to tell you, and uh, yeah, just listen, be curious. That's a good one, Doug. That's a tough <laughs> act to follow. Uh, my 18 year old self uh, probably stay humble. Things are. are it's never as you're never as good as you think you are, but things are never really as bad as you think they are as well. So yeah, staying humble and staying curious and open to the process, um, and somewhere in the middle is probably about where you need to be. Awesome. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist, and we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions, ask questions and suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. We'll leave you with a quote from Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, who once put, The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Mm-hmm.